from Newfoundland and Labrador, Canada. You are listening to Global Frequencies, Diverse Province, Diverse Voices. This program is presented by the Association for New Canadians and CHMR 93.5 FM with funding from the Community Radio Fund of Canada. This program is available on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and more. Hi folks, welcome to episode 20 here at Global Frequencies. My name is Nabila Qureshi and today on the show we have three amazing guests who have shared amazing stories and I am thrilled to introduce them to you today. First up, Saber Manzoor, a recent graduate in Masters in Electrical Engineering at Memorial University. We chat about his experience with living in St. John's, studying at the university, but most importantly, his decision to move away from the province to Ontario. We investigate why he made that decision, especially considering that the province of Newfoundland has struggled and continues to struggle with retaining newcomers within the province. We chat about the attractiveness of the province, of the program, and of the job market, and much more. After that, Ana Maria Alcantara and I have a very interesting conversation, especially because she was actually in Brazil when we conducted this interview. We chat about the music of Brazil. So all I did was I reached out to Anna and I asked her to share two songs that she would like to chat about. And she did share two that were more or less based on the principles of social justice and empowerment. We chat about the history and character of the tracks and we find out more about her life growing up in Brazil, her past, her present and her hopes for the future. And finally, Gus Lacasse, a third-year double major student at Memorial University. He is pursuing his degrees in political science and geography. He was currently based in Trenton, Maine, United States. We talk about his experience with experiencing the coronavirus pandemic, his status as an international student, and the role that it played in him experiencing this phenomenal event that has shaped our lives in ways that we never imagined. So, Saber, Anna, and Gus, these three guests here for you today on episode 20 of Global Frequencies. Stay tuned. A couple of years ago, I was uh, giving a presentation to the Graduate Students Union, and I met this individual uh, at this meeting, and subsequently we got in touch and uh, we've known each other for uh, about two years. And in the last few weeks, we uh, had a chance to meet once uh, because he was actually leaving the province uh, and he moved to Ontario. So today I'm in conversation with my friend Sabir Manzoor, who will be telling us about his journey, his experience with studying in Newfoundland 
at memorial uh, graduating and then uh, trying his best to realize his potential through um, a lucrative and appropriate job market so more about that saber welcome to the show yes thank you very much nabila for a wonderful introduction and so i will talk about my personal experiences and um, i will sort of let nabila lead the whole conversation and yeah let's uh, let's do this so uh, saber tell me a little bit about yourself what can we know about you i basically came to canada for masters in electrical engineering degree and some series of event happened then i started working in uh, different companies here different organizations like uh, graduate student union was one of my part time job i had to work because uh, i wanted to support my studies and myself here i planned few things and it did not go according to plan but i had to improvise and i did that and uh, I was working as a fundraiser as well and I was working as a TA so mainly uh, I was a student and uh, I graduated and now I moved out of uh, province and uh, I'm working here in Ontario So prior to moving to Newfoundland where were you living and what were you doing I was living in uh, UAE I was working there I worked there for almost 4 years but my main uh, focus of work was if i could you know more simple version of or simple definition so i used to have different projects in different hospitals in all middle east so traveling to qatar saudi arabia bahrain and uh, in in uae abu dhabi and other other uh, states so i used to go to different hospitals and sort of install the project and then uh, support those projects so mainly related to pharmacy and automation basically robotics and automation so that was my job i was doing there so when you uh, decided to enroll at memorial in a masters in electrical engineering what expectations did you come with when you came to st john's it's a very good question i think that goes way back i always have huge expectation uh, from whatever i do i i'm a, i consider myself a very positive person so i came here with the expectation to learn more about my field my field of uh, interest was robotics and automation so here i uh, enrolled in electrical engineering to learn more about technology of future which is renewable energy and automation of renewable energy so that's also sort of connected uh, to my previous job and uh, i did some research and i uh, think i learned a lot from that and uh, mainly my expectation was to uh, expand my horizon and you know travel traveling also i think it's uh, it's mandatory if you want to learn more so i came here with the one main goal to sort of excel in my field of expertise which is automation and uh, engineering so as as you were uh, finishing up your degree did you have a good feeling about properly utilizing all this effort that you put into finishing the program yeah i think um, i for, for like like i said before i i always have high expectation and i i'm kind of a positive person so i was expecting a lot from uh, from one and to some extent uh, my expectations were met but obviously if you have huge expectation that you're going to you know build robots and stuff but when you come here and then you see practically what curriculum is it's a whole new different discussion that what need to be done to improve our curriculum overall study way we we study it is also debatable but my expectation was huge but uh, i sort of uh, got satisfied because i had some challenges so there is one one thing you know 
about meeting the expectation but then during the process you also came across you, you also come across some challenges so in sort of finding happiness or meeting your expectation you also set new goals so your goal also changes so what i did i sort of shifted my expectation to at least meet my new goals that i came across here so when i moved here i i had some challenges so i changed my sort of goal to meet those expectation or meet those challenges so i sort of struggle for it and i even had to shift my whole research program sort of uh, in a way that i can you know learn about new things so i i did that as well overall i had support from my supervisor and i had support locally from from newfoundland here particular name that i want to mention is uh, david goodair he was uh, one of my support system here uh, used to motivate me and then he used to sort of mentor i think i met some good people here who were supportive and were helpful and overall um i think i learned a lot and uh, it was a you know good journey overall so after you graduated from mun i remember you were uh, looking for uh, obviously a job mm-hmm. how did that experience go yeah so initially when i graduated i did not want to work for some company i wanted to start my own thing and i tried a couple of things during my study as well and sort of those things that i started were not that much rewarding in terms of uh, money in terms of you know supporting my living expenses so i had to shift my again goals to to sort of get a job first and then work on my passion so obviously one of my passion is to work in automation but that's not my exactly goal my goal is to work for myself so that i can you know get more reward reward in in a term in a way that you know i can be more comfortable whatever what i do right now i obviously work in my own field and i'm learning and this is great but i would want to start my own thing one day and uh, i think i considered this job as a step towards it because it it, it helped me learn a lot and you know become better version of myself that's exactly what i wanted to do so that was uh, part of the process and i think i uh, was looking for a job and then i had some challenges and i finally got job here in ontario what made you decide to move away to ontario so initially uh, you know i did not want to move i actually took part in uh, study and stay uh, canada program as well as uh, other program that were you know sort of a support system to keep students here in canada in, in sorry in newfoundland or atlantic, atlantic uh, provinces so i wanted to stay there for one reason because i was in love with the, with the place overall i used to live in big city and uh, i i know life is more fast paced over there and i don't like that lifestyle you know here in you know living in toronto and saw in this area it is life is very fast paced and you know everything is in like even people drive fast for some reason they just want to go home and uh, as opposed to, to lifestyle in Newfoundland it's very laid back and you know people are even nicer for for me i initially wanted to stay in Newfoundland but thing what moved me from from there was mainly you know opportunity number of opportunities i wanted to work in my own field of expertise and i could not find you know good opportunity obviously rewarding as well as you know exciting opportunity that makes me jump out of my bed in the morning that's yes, i'm going to learn something new today something like that so those kind of things uh, also you know it's it's not part of uh, fault of newfoundland or or su- su- support system overall it's i think part of me that i love to travel as well so i think at some point back in my head i was also thinking you know to move to to different place if i had to not particularly in 
different province but i just wanted to explore you know other part of newfoundland so i was applying for jobs uh, offshore or somewhere you know travel or maybe oil and gas so i did actually uh, interview for a, co- a company irving so i was shortlisted for that and uh, but the process was very slow and job was in uh, new brunswick and um, i might have got that job but uh, overall maybe it's because of uh, situation of oil and gas that uh, slowed the whole process down but it took forever and uh, due to my you know financial circumstances i had to decide so i decided this job and i it, it went very quick and uh, we we me and my manager and like uh, my, my team that i'm working with we had an interview and uh, i sort of uh, developed understanding so i thought of uh, you know this job as a you know good opportunity for me so i moved uh, with, with this opportunity and i um, excused from uh, from my other opportunity that was irving in uh, new brunswick so i don't have any regrets because, because uh, that's you know i think the part of the process overall thank you so much for sharing your story saber this was saber manzoor who spoke about his experience living in st johns he studied um at mun he did a masters in electrical engineering he spoke at length about his uh, journey with uh, wanting to find a job that was suitable according to his preferences he did also mention about his uh, his preference for wanting to be self employed at some point in the future so basically entrepreneurship um and he also spoke about uh, some of the um improvements that perhaps uh, the government of newfoundland and labrador can consider uh, when it comes to the very hot topic um of retention and attrition um so thank you for being on the show here today and i wish you all the best and uh, we will catch up again very soon maybe part 2 when you're returning yeah thank you very much for your time and uh, for for having me and uh, i would love to come back again you know, in future and we can After this short break, my friend Ana Maria Alcantara and I chat about the music of Brazil. Stay tuned. Mothers, yours may be part of the 72%. Did you know that 72% of all Canadians with Alzheimer's disease are women? Take a moment, learn the 10 warning signs. Talk to the Alzheimer's Society. We can help and you can help us. Visit alzheimer.ca and donate today. You are listening to Global Frequencies. Diverse province, diverse voices. Welcome folks to yet another episode here on Global Frequencies in conversation with me today is Ana Alcantara. So welcome to the show. Hi Navila, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. I miss St. John and Canada a lot. The weather, the people, hi Zai, hi everyone. I am really happy to come back to talk about music from Brazil. I am here in Brazil actually now, but I live in St. John's for 18 months in 2019 and was a really nice experience because I went there to have a, like a sabbatical year my husband come there to study his postdoctoral in fish physiology at man and I went without expectations but there I started to volunteer job and I knew many people interesting people and I started to do volunteer job at radio and after this Ria invite uh, me and Jenny Lee to have um, a radio show from Brazil so we have uh, Mecca GPTB radio show it was a really nice experience 
And one point that I would like to say about uh, Canadian people for in special from St. John's is that people are friendly. So we do not have a good English. <laughs> Now I do not have a good English, but people was always open to listen us to uh, hear us to talk with us. So I feel really, really comfortable uh, in St. John's and I miss St. John's a lot. So Anna, you mentioned that, you know, you were in St. John's, you were accompanying your spouse. Just paint a picture when you first moved to St. John's, what were those first few months like for you? It was like an adventure because I really like to travel to other countries. But I remember that I feel like a, a little bit afraid how people will receive me because I am a black woman. So I was afraid about that, but I feel cold comfortable when they start to walk in the streets, in the mall, and see different faces, not just Canadian faces. So I feel more comfortable and relaxed with that. And um, people was friendly, so uh, this, this was good. And I arrived, I chose to arrive in Canada in the um, spring to be more <laughs> easy <laughs> for me because I came from um, a hot Uh, tropical country so it's really hot here so I have time to adapt but you see now is winter here and I have t-shirt <laughs> and um, is uh, uh, summer there and you have like a, a sweater so that was really different for me because here in Brazil is really hot so paint me a picture of how it was like growing up in your neighborhood in Brazil? I am on my hometown now. For a long time, I do not live here. I am here now due to COVID-19. It's a big city where I live, but the is in the south of Brazil. And here we in Brazil, we are colonized country. So we have a huge influence from Europe. And here in my, my neighborhood, we have two, uh, a lot of Japanese people and German people too, and Italy. So for me, as a black woman, for example, I do not have too much or a lot of references from uh, my background, my ancestry, the Afro people. So I grew up, I grew up in a white neighborhood because is how the things are here in the south of Brazil. But it was interesting that I saw uh, the world when I was a child as a white person. You know, I discovered that I am not white when I was like in a teenager years. So that was really strange. And now that I am back here, I understand a lot of things. When I was young, I was like uncomfortable and I do not feel like at home in my own home because of that. But it's a safe place, it's a really nice place with, uh, uh, I have good schools and uh, good friends and a really happy family. I have. Uh, my parents already died, but I have parents and three sisters, and um, it was a really nice childhood. And um, in my house, we always have like uh, music, 
it represents like a, a huge part of my life. And samba is a rhythm that is really like present here. We have a lot of, um, not a lot of, but we have various types of samba, like a, a samba enredo, samba de gafieira, samba um, like a pagode. And we have this rhythm that is classic for us. Can you remind me again, or for the listeners out there, what samba is? Samba is a rhythm that um, is created or discovered in Rio de Janeiro. Uh, Rio de Janeiro is the place where, where we have a lot of black people, because when the slaves came to Brazil, was in the north of Brazil and in the Rio de Janeiro. And was like a rhythm of protest, but like to celebrate the, the religion, the life, the happiness, the culture of the Afro people that come here. So uh, four days in a year, they have the carnival to celebrate. And the music was used as a communication, as a resistance. So is um, the samba is a kind of party, but to criticize many things about society, about the exploration, about people. So is something that is constructed to be is sad, but is not sad. This is one characteristic, Nabila, about our songs here in Brazil. All the rhythms, we have lyrics, and the lyrics matters a lot. The, song, the sound matters too, and communicate a lot too. So uh, each instrument, I will, do, I will don't be able to talk about the name in English of the instruments, but each instrument communicates something. And in samba, some instruments are with a, like a simple or common things that people create instruments about that. Do you know? So they did. They, they arrive here without a language, without be able to celebrate your culture, and without be able to celebrate their religion. So they create something like new to this place, and with the ears, this change and improve a lot, and is like a, a written relief show who Brazilian people are. So you mentioned that music can be a form of resistance. Can you give yeah. me some more examples of what you mean by that exactly? For example, here on my city in the south of Brazil, we usually listen more sertanejo, it's a kind of country music. And uh, when I was a child and in my teenager years, it's just a duo by men. And now we have woman and solo. And here in Brazil, we have like a woman in solo and in all the rhythms now and not the Brazilian standard beauty woman, do you know? Different kinds of woman, woman different colors and uh, we are more like uh, supporting this. And we have one philosopher here in Brazil, she's a black woman, uh, her name is Vilma Piedade and she have one concept that is Dororidade is something like sororidad or like sisterhood, 
but it's something that talks about the pain of black woman. So it's like uh, the pain because of the patriarchy, but because of the race too. And the two artists that I choose to bring today to share with you is uh, Elsa Soares, that is Sambista. And the other one is a young girl, Isa, that is more popular, but both have in common this conscience or, and this awareness about race and about prejudice and about how important is representativeness. So, and about empowerment, and I think that is really important all the time, but now we are in a really difficult moment here in Brazil because of COVID-19, because all the situation, and I think that when you, you have strong women that represent you, that brings you more hope, more energy to fight so that is the music represents to me. So Anna, tell me about uh, the first song that you shared with me. It is by an artist named Isa, but I don't want to get both the name and uh, the name of the artist and the name of the song wrong. So if you could tell me uh, how to say it and what it means, that'd be lovely. Okay, it's, uh, the name uh, is Donna Jimmy. It's like uh, my honor or I am my honor and um, is a, a interesting song about the situation of be uh, honor of your own body, of your own life, because sounds like, okay, but everyone is uh, honor of yourself, but no, we women, because of patriarchy, because of culture, religion, many things, we are not honor of our own body. So this song is about this, is about this power. And uh, we will not be able to see the video clip here, but that is other thing, Nabila, the characteristic about Brazilian music. Now with the internet, uh, all the artists, they uh, launch the musics uh, and the image is a huge part of the communication of the music. So in this video clip, we will not be able to see, but if people are interested in see, um, this video clip show many violence events that happened here in Brazil. For example, when a school that was shopping and um, the violence against women and all this is constructing the video clip. And the lyrics talk about the woman too, the power, but uh, uh, talks uh, with, have a conversation with this theory, do you know, that the black woman from Brazil have the skills, have a building, so it's not like just empty music, do you know, have uh, different levels of communication in that music. So this is really interesting. Is This is why I chose the song. So let's listen. Let's listen to the song. It is called Dona Chimin by Isa. 
Tentando me encontrar Já fui embora querendo nem voltar Penso duas vezes antes de falar Porque a vida é louca, mano, a vida é louca Sempre fiquei quieta, agora vou falar Se você tem boca, aprendi a usar Sei do meu valor e a cotação é dólar Porque a vida é louca, mano, a vida é louca was a song by Isa and um, Anna very uh, eloquently described the symbolism and significance of this song. So perhaps you could tell us more about the second song that you chose by uh, a singer named Elsa Suarez. Yes, perfect. Elsa Suarez. One interesting about her, Nabila, is that she was elected by BBC Radio London as a Brazilian singer of the millennium in 1999. And she was married with a famous soccer player here in Brazil, but she is from other moments. The moment where woman cannot be honor of herself, the time where a uh, woman was, cannot work outside of the house. And all the time, since the young, she fight for her dreams. And he, she was really powerful. When I was young, I listened to Elsa Soares with my parents, but I could not catch the, the information about the music, just the sounds and okay, okay. But now that I am adult, I say, okay, Elsa, at that moment, like, 30 years ago, already talk about, we are discussing now. So she was really a visionary woman and she always fight for the woman's rights. So this song that I choose, the name is A Mulher do Fim do Mundo. It's like the woman of the end of the world and is a really powerful song and uh, talks about the experience with the samba because it's a this music is a samba and talks about the how the samba touch us in our soul and how we put our soul in each samba that we do so the samba is a rhythm that really is about soul you know is about happiness but is about soul and is about the complexity about the human so let's listen. Let's listen to this one. It is called again A Mulher do Fim do Mundo by Elsa Suarez. Meu choro não é nada além de carnaval. É lágrima de samba na ponta dos pés. A multidão avança como um vendaval. Me joga na avenida que não sei qual é. Pirata e super-homem tentam o calor. Um peixe amarelo beija minha mão. 
As asas de um anjo soltas pelo chão Na chuva de confessos deixo a minha dor Na avenida deixei lá A pele preta e a minha voz Na avenida deixei lá A minha fala, a minha opinião A minha casa, a minha solidão Joguei do alto do terceiro andar Quebrei a cara e me livrei do resto dessa vida Na avenida dura até o fim Mulher do fim do mundo Eu sou e vou até o fim cantar We just heard some, uh, we got a glimpse um, into, into a, a little bit about the culture of Brazil. So, uh, Ana, from what, from what you're telling me, the songs that you have shared today, they have a very strong message to society. These yeah. are not just entertainment-based songs. They have a purpose. So, yeah. um, you know, as we start wrapping this up, uh, this interview, What are uh, some of your opinions when it comes to uh, songs of resistance or songs that uh, showcase one's empowerment now that we are heading into the future? What do you predict uh, Brazilian society is going to be like when you look at these kinds of songs? Like you said, uh, you heard a song 30 years ago by Elsa Suarez and she was talking about something that you are currently experiencing. So what do you think a society 30 years from now might have to say? Uh, for sure, we'll see like a, a movement of women, not just black women, but a movement of women that fighting for her rights uh, and fighting for space and fighting for her voice, not just on music, but in each area we are really uh, aware we are really conscious about our voice and about our power and we are like saying okay it's enough <laughs> we have voice thank you very much until here but now we can talk for us we have our voice to talk to us so i think that 30 years forward People will look back and see this movement, this conscient, conscient movement about the woman from this time. And uh, finally, uh, right at the beginning of this interview, you had mentioned how you had come to St. John's, but now you're back in Brazil, in your hometown. So are you going to be returning back to St. John's at any point? Yeah, I would love. I have friends there. I have like projects running there, like the future project. And I really would like to come back to do my master at MA in gender studies. So I hope when the things get better with the situation about COVID-19, I really want to come back to St. John's. And we do too. And Anna, it's been a pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you so much for giving us just a very brief but enlightening introduction um, into 
the music of Brazil, but I think more importantly into this spirit of, of resistance and of, of owning your voice and of expressing your fundamental human right to exist. And in your case, you uh, focused on the existence of the woman as, um, as she is blanketed by, you said, culture, race, patriarchy, and so much more. Thank you so much. I definitely learned a lot. And I hope anyone out there listening to this interview has as well. And for the two songs that we discussed, the names of both the artists and the names of the songs will be written in the description. So you can definitely check them out. As Anna mentioned, um, the, the video image or the, the story visual story of especially the song by Isa is worth checking out. So link to that in the description. Thank you so much, Anna, for coming oh, on today. Thank you very much, Nabila. It was a pleasure. And I really would like to send a huge hug from Brazil to everyone in St. John. Miss you guys. The hug is back at you. <laughs> I'm Maria. And I'm Hannah. We just want to remind you to be kind to animals because lots of animals around the world are being displaced and abused. So we want to remind you to be respectful to animals and be kind. Remember to be safe and respect animals. This public announcement is brought to you by CHMR. You are listening to Global Frequencies. Diverse problems, diverse voices. I chat with my friend Gus Lacasse, who is a third-year double major student in political science and geography at Memorial University. He is a fiddler by trade and a stonemason's apprentice. We chat about what his experience was like with not just studying at MUN, but experiencing the pandemic as an international student. We talk about his life in St. John's, what his journey was like leaving Canada for the United States during the early days of the pandemic, what the process was like moving away from Canada to the United States, his experience with remote learning, the nature of education, and much, much more. This is Gus Lacasse. Gus is now sitting uh, outside in Maine, USA, and he's going to be chatting about what his life has been like as a student uh, living abroad uh, for the duration of the pandemic. So welcome to the show today, Gus. Thank you for having me, Nabila. So Gus, tell us about yourself. So um, I'm, I'm based in uh, Trenton, Maine which is a little town on the coast of Maine. And I am currently doing two jobs. I am a fiddler by trade and um, I play for shows for whoever will have me at the moment or wherever is available to play because things are a little bit slow with the reopening in some cases for the pandemic. I'm also a stonemason's apprentice right now. So that was, I've been doing that since the beginning of the pandemic and um, 
it, it's great work and I enjoy it. And another detail about me is I'm a third year, going into my third year at the Memorial University of Newfoundland in Labrador. And I am a double major right now in political science and geography with a focus in human geography. What is human geography? Human geography differs from just standard geography because it's more of a focus on geography through social sciences and understanding like how people shape the geography, not necessarily like what's there. That's how I've always thought about it, is it's very people-based as opposed to scientifically grounded. So Gus, when, when you and I met and we, you know, when we introduced ourselves, uh, you had mentioned then that you, um, you know, you identified as an American, as you mentioned from Maine. Um, so what made you choose to come and study in St. John's and that too at Munn? I was really interested in the IBA program at Memorial. Kind of wild. What, Memorial was one of the last places I applied to. It just because of timing and how a bunch of other things happened. And um, I went up to St. John's to visit Memorial and it was incredible. It was a great, I loved St. John's right from when I got there and I was able to see the university and learn more about the program and the International Bachelor of Arts program. And that's really what made me say like, hey, I think this is the place is the, the IBA. Um, another big bit of interest for me is as a fiddler, St. John's is a thriving music scene. And um, to be a part of that would be a fun thing to be. And I'd be honored to be a part of it as well. So when, uh, when the pandemic measures were announced in, I think, in March of 2020, you know, suddenly we got to learn that a lot of students are leaving, uh, not just the province, but the country. You were one of them. So tell me about that experience. You know, how did you feel once these announcements were made? It starts actually in the holiday break of 2019 my i was home for the holiday and i was hanging out with my parents and they were talking like gus would we'd love to come see you up in newfoundland sometime and i'm like great let's let's find a date you can come up for like some time it's like awesome and they found some time and they came up and like wouldn't you know it was like march 12 13 14 and leaving on the 15th of or on the 16th of march so they had planned this journey and I really hadn't given much thought to the pandemic. Like I see all my friends back in the United States are making fun of like hoarding toilet paper and like all these canned goods. I'm like, what? I didn't, I didn't really get it. So that the day that they arrived, it became increasingly apparent that a global pandemic is, is unfolding and in the next day the the administration at the time in the united states announced that they're going to entertain closing the border and by the sunday after, that was the friday so by the sunday afternoon my parents were urging me to come home and i was really not a fan of that idea because i love newfoundland and i love being there and i have a lot of friends who are basically family who were there as well and have stayed through the pandemic. And that was hard. And that evening, Memorial announced that they would be transitioning to online courses. And that was very much like, okay, this is how it's going to be. And my folks got me back on the same flight as they had. And I had like maybe 13 hours notice before leaving. It was, if, if they wouldn't have been there, it would have been a very different story. But it was just a really almost, it was surreal in the worst possible way. 
because everything was going so well and all like friends and family were there and I was looking so forward to doing a bunch of different activities with friends and hanging out and playing playing music yeah just university life and it, it was it was difficult for the first while but I got used to it as the pandemic went on and really once I got work to distract me so this happened you left on March 16 is it? Yes, it was it was the day after Memorial announced that classes were going online. Did you were you engaged in any activity or set of activities at that time that, you know, came to a complete stop and, you know, that you couldn't understand or make sense of? You mentioned that you were planning on playing music. Uh, that season or perhaps that summer and yeah it was in the middle of the semester as well so how did that uh, how did you come to terms with that it was hard because I had even gotten my first I was gonna have my first show in Newfoundland at the end of the month March 31st or April 1st or something like that and it had already been postponed and I was like I'm looking forward to playing the show and then the pandemic happened so that was hard and um like music was definitely one thing that i missed and took some getting used to university courses definitely um declined in quality once they went online too which was tricky as well but for all for all for the safety of us all so for the best you know what was the process like making your way from Canada into the United States at this very critical, sensitive point in time? It was very fraught, I would say. It, it was a nerve-wracking trip. It's To go from St. John's to Maine requires two flights, or for me, it requires two flights and a four-hour drive to the airport, which is in Fredericton, New Brunswick. It was a stressful journey because, like, leaving Newfoundland, it was very apparent, like, it's here. Like, the Avalon is now out of hand sanitizer. And as it went along, it grew increasingly more like, oh, Halifax is running low on that, too. And then we got to the border with the United States, and as we arrived at the border, we got the alert saying, oh, border's closed. So that was very stressful. They let us in. And then my grandmother was in the United States at the time that my folks and I were in Newfoundland. And and she was like, "There's the markets are running out. And so we went to the first um, Hannaford's. We saw Hannaford's is kind of like the main version of Sobeys. And uh, we went in there. It was no joke. There was no pasta there was no drive foods. It was almost like rationing out the amount of like paper towels and stuff like that. Cause, cause common sense says get paper towels. But yeah, it was definitely a fraught journey back and one I'd hope to not make again under those circumstances. So how soon after um, landing back in Maine did you have to resume, you know, your studies? I took a day or two just to like get reacclimated. At that point, things hadn't really, there was still like a sense of disbelief. So like things, the dust was still in the air, we'll say. And like, I just wanted to let the dust settle for a little bit before starting in on getting back to studies. So I played some music, um, I did some hiking and um, because I live in a part of Maine that's very naturally beautiful. It's near Acadia National Park. So um, I definitely took advantage of the nature around and took some time to like just clear my head before getting back into studies. Why did you decide to work full time while you were studying? 
I enjoyed the work, to be honest, was the big reason for me. And also to save up a little bit of, get some money in the bank for when I returned to Newfoundland. Those were the big incentives. Also, just being out of the house was really good on a mental health basis. I would say that I essentially worked just to like keep in a good mental state. And also because it was... It was good to be outside. I mean, it was Maine in the fall, which is it was just pretty swell to be able to work in that every day. Something that otherwise you wouldn't have been able to do had you been living in St. John. So you did get something out of, you know. For sure. It, it, I would for sure say that. Um, if, if you would have asked me how's at the beginning of the pandemic, like in the first month or two, like, how do you think the pandemic is going to go? I would have given you the most depressing answer like ever. And I would still say that the pandemic was not a happy time for any of us because I personally know people who have died of coronavirus. I know people who have suffered from it. I know people who still can't taste or smell. So I acknowledge that it was a very, it's an emotionally hard time and my emotions were a roller coaster. I would still say that my pandemic time, I discovered a job in stonemasonry. I made the best of a really bad situation, I would say. And I, would, I discovered a job with stonemasonry and got to be surrounded by nature. Basically every day I've been back. Um, how are you feeling um, about returning to St. John's, I'm assuming in September now and for the fall season? Yes, I'll be back first weekend of September is the plan right now. So um, really I'm bittersweet about it. I can't wait to be back in St. John's. That is for certain. I'm very excited to see my friends and family back there just to be back in St. John's. It's a, it's a great town. I've missed it a lot. And it's just a place I really enjoy being. So a part of me is really looking forward to being back. Another part of me is a little bit sad to leave Maine. Just miss the, I'll miss the surroundings because I also, l growing up in Maine, I didn't realize how beautiful of a place it actually is. And it's a thing with, when you talk with other Mainers, it's like, it takes going away to realize how beautiful your surroundings are. And that's very much true for me. Like, I'll miss that, but I look forward to seeing the beauty of, the natural beauty of Newfoundland. I would also say it's bittersweet because I'll, like, I have a girlfriend here. I have friends here who I'll miss. And uh, in that regard, it's bittersweet. But I would say I'm very excited to be returning to Newfoundland. Are you also looking forward to perhaps resuming your stonemasonry work once you are here in St. John's? I'm considering it, but I'm thinking of just studying at the moment because, um, yeah, I just I just don't feel like um, going doing that work when I get to St. John just because of the ment the physical effort of it plus full time courses and when I'm in university in person I want to be able to attend every course and stonemasonry because it's a daytime job would not be favorable to that. I have two questions. They require some thinking, uh, so brace yourself. First question is um, now that you know we are sort of reeling out of the chaos that is um, the coronavirus pandemic what do you think education could look like now that we have experienced a, you know a very different method of not just acquiring information and knowledge but also disseminating it i am really hopeful that the coronavirus pandemic and that universities will see 
that there is actually a way to make education accessible. I think that it is a great thing that you can take an online course and also be able to do your life. Like you can have your life and do all that without it being some sort of like, oh, you did your degree online. That doesn't mean anything. I'm, I'm really hopeful that this will change that and that a lot more people will be able to acquire information and take courses because universities, as a result of the pandemic, will have had experience in putting out courses online. So I'm, I'm hopeful that the pandemic has taught universities how to make information and courses more accessible. And the last one, is um, a little bit on the sort of goofy side but if you had to uh, imagine yourself 10 years or let's say 20 years from now and I ask you to reflect back on this time how would you remember it if you were to tell us a very brief story to youngsters around you a time that tested everybody. And I would tell them that although people were on their own islands, they built their own bridges. And that everybody, it, it was a time that had us apart, but also brought people very close together. And also a time that was very important because of all the loss and grief that we were all surrounded with. I think that it was definitely a solitary time for everybody, as what I would tell the young people. But I would say that it also was a hopeful time, too, because we all, we all, even though we were at home, we, and we still came together. We were still in touch with each other. We were still, we were still caring to each other. We were still pillars of support for each other. I would say that the pandemic was a hard and trying time, but that in some ways it brought out the best in people through perseverance and compassion. So beautifully said. Thank yeah. you so much for today, Gus. I thoroughly enjoyed this interview and hopefully anyone who's tuning in to listen in, hopefully they will pick up some uh, little uh, notes of wisdom along the way. So thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. That was episode 20 here at Global Frequencies. If you would also like to be a part of our show, send us an email at globalfrequencies at ancnl.ca or simply ask for us by calling the front desk of the Association for New Canadians in St. John's, Newfoundland and Labrador. Until next time, have a lovely weekend. Thank you for listening to Global Frequencies, Diverse Province, Diverse Voices. This program is presented by the Association for New Canadians and CHMR 93.5 FM with funding from the Community Radio Fund of Canada. The ANC is a non-profit community-based organization dedicated to the provision of settlement and integration services for immigrants in the province for over 40 years. CHMR-FM is an award-winning community radio station operating out of Memorial University. The station has been broadcasting a range of music, spoken word, and cultural programming since 1987. If you would like to touch base with us, email us at globalfrequencies at ancnl.ca.